Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, friends. Have you noticed that no matter how much yoga we do, we may still struggle in our intimate relationships. My husband and I have a great relationship, but we are not relationship coaches. And we know that yoga can and does help, but at a certain point, you need more relational support from a relationship specialist. If you're going through some kind of challenge right now in your relationships, my friend Jason Gaddis at the Relationship School can help. Jason's team will pair you up with a skilled relationship coach And within 48 hours, you'll be getting private one-on-one support on whatever you're going through relationally. And right now, for my listeners only, Jason is offering half off one month of relationship coaching. Head over to relationshipschool.com slash Laura to get the deal and watch your relationships improve. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Friday with Friends. I have a new friend, Sierra Vanderport, to with me today. Sierra is known as the local mystic. So if you're curious, tune in to find out how she got that moniker. She also says she's a little bit witchy and weird, which I totally love. And she describes her journey into becoming a more modern witchy woman. She's really into community building, mindfulness, outdoor energy, and astrology. It was so wonderful to talk to her and really feel the soulfulness that she is putting out into the world. So please enjoy my conversation with Sierra today. Welcome, Sierra. So glad to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I've been kind of a longtime listener, so this is really cool. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, let's start off. I was looking at your website and I loved how you said, this is a space where the witchy and the weird are welcome. Can you describe a little bit about how you have come to that terminology, how you describe yourself as a little witchy? And I I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's definitely newer. And it's a title that's I've grown into along with my spiritual and mental development, for sure. I've always been really interested in 
like new age kind of things, I guess, uh, Eastern spirituality, herbalism. I've always been a really big nature lover and a, and a big hippie chick, I guess. And the more that I deepen my studies in differing spiritualities, specifically nature-based spiritualities and, and paganism, the more that I felt really drawn to this title of a witch. And for me, my spiritual journey is focused a lot on empowerment and kind of finding my own spiritual sovereignty because I grew up in a religious structure that didn't really offer that as much. You were kind of always sought to seek power outside of yourself. And that was just something that I never really resonated with. And when I started to dive deeper into spiritualities that then gave you that power back, I felt really in line with that. And that was another thing with the title of which that really drew me in is it's this idea of an empowered woman, a sovereign woman who knows who she is and isn't afraid to create the kind of life that she wants. So my kind of archetype of a witch has changed and shifted even so much since I started using the title maybe about four or five years ago, but it's one that I really love and that I hold dear to my heart. And I find that the women who do resonate with it, they, they really enjoyed and love using the title too. It's very empowering. Oh, I love that. And I think that's so interesting, that idea of, you know, paganism and being a witch. And because sometimes there's like this negative association, especially from a religious standpoint, did you have some kind of epiphany in your younger years that made you think that perhaps this construct of religion was a little bit too much boxing you in and not seeing you as a independent and vibrant woman? Yeah, for sure. I think that came, that revelation came maybe a little bit later, probably when I was in high school or college. Um, cause there was an interim where I just fell out of spirituality altogether kind of through middle and high school and actually suffered with a lot of depression and other issues at that time, because I just didn't feel really like I had any space to be fully myself and a space to be, you know, celebrated and connect with other people. But once I started studying, particularly yoga, my yoga studies, and I took classes on Buddhism and Hinduism in college and everything too, the more that I started to learn about the themes within those kind of tribes, the more that I felt connected to that. And the more that I was seeing my spiritual path as like an evolution rather than just forgetting everything I had done in the past, because I, I grew up Christian and I remember as a kid, not hating it, you know, like whatever I thought, or I visualized this God figure as I really loved and felt connected with that entity, whatever I was interpreting that as. And I saw it as, you know, a, a protector and an inspiration. So I, I did really feel connected with whatever that energy was. It's just that that energy has shifted and changed for me a lot over the years. So it's less that I kind of, you know, threw in the towel on one and picked up a, a totally different space. It's just, I've noticed my perception shift and expand, I guess, over the years as I've grown too. So what was the first step for you at somewhat consolidating this newness, this, these revelations and putting it into a practice that would then become this profession for lack of a better word that you are now in vocation. Yeah. Well, I think I'm still trying to consolidate it for sure yeah. because there's so many, I'm just interested in so many things and there's so many avenues to go. Um, but it's, I've just kind of been 
trimming the fat of it, I suppose. I still have lots of things that I'm interested in. Like I do still have a really regular herbalism practice, but before where that was part of my profession, now it's not. Now that's just kind of a personal thing for me. So I've just kind of noticed which things resonate with other people the most and which things are of the most service to other people. And that's kind of what I've decided goes into my vocation and what stays just in my own personal practice. So what I've consolidated it to roughly is the combination of yoga and mindfulness plus the energetics of nature and the energetics of the universe that go along with that paganism. And so honoring those sacred cycles. And a lot of it is mirrored in the yoga practice as well. You know, inhales and exhales is the same cycle of breath and, and energy that is echoed in the moon phases and the seasons and our bodies as women. So it's, it's kind of all connected mm-hmm. in not such a, a weird way, but I think I'm still consolidating for sure <laughs> because there's so much. We, aren't we all, honey? Aren't we all? <laughs> there's so much cool stuff. And I just want to learn and teach all of the stuff all of the time. <laughs> yes. So suppose you have like a kind of skeptic who stumbles across your information, your website, your Instagram, and they're just like, well, why, what is the big deal with, you know, convening with nature or knowing the cycles of the moon? How do you describe that to people at a, at a level that is in, is interesting and inviting without making them feel like it's a lot of woo woo? Yeah. Yeah. I think bringing it in bringing it to them in a way that showcases the value that it has to them and also showing them that it is, it is innate in them already. You know, it's not something else that they have to go out and learn. It's not like a set of rituals or a framework that you have to follow every single time. It's just something that is already innate within you. And it's just you as a smaller piece of a bigger whole, you know? So I guess if I was trying to easily describe it to someone, I would just talk about how the energy fluctuations that happen in the seasons are happening within you every day, every month, probably every hour, you know? And so just, it's about noticing those fluctuations and most importantly, allowing those fluctuations to happen without judgment and without trying to change and manipulate them. And that's kind of where the real work is for people. So it's just a different lens to put on personal development in general. And it's allowing your natural energy cycles to be without feeling bad for it. Because I think that's something that so many of us struggle with, especially in the modern digital world, is we feel like we have to be on hundred percent of the time. And I feel like everyone is tired of that. Not just the woo-woo spirituality people. Everyone feels tired and exhausted and uninspired sometimes. And just letting people know that it's okay to feel that way sometimes, but you deserve better. You deserve to have a life that feels easy and fulfilled and inspiring to you. And I think that's something that we can all resonate with across the board, even outside of kind of the witchy spiritual space. So, so you say you've had somebody who's like, okay, that sounds good. Where do I start? Like, what are some suggestions you have for people? I like what you just said. And I'm just thinking of a small tale here or example of that. I was talking to my daughter who's in college, who was home for Thanksgiving and then went back and she's in her reading period at college. She's a freshman. She is in the Midwest. So it's a different region, but similar type of weather. But she was said, mommy, I'm just, I don't know what's going on. I just feel so flat. I get to 6 p.m. and I just feel so. And I said, the first thing I said is, you aren't alone. Like, first of all, 
This is normal. And I think that's really important to acknowledge, like, we aren't always going to be vibing at this high. You know, it is a lot to do with our environment. We have so many artificial things that can maybe make us feel differently, you know, putting on lights and all that. But at the end of the day, we still have this wiring that does go back to very more primitive um, selves, which is when we were living more by the land and all that. And I think, and what I said to her is winter is a time to be go internal. So don't, you know, don't fight that. The flatness is you feeling bad that you should be doing more. You got to go study. You got to just like do as much as you can on the top end of the day. And then when it comes down to that, where your level, your energy is low, you know, read a book, watch a show, whatever, but don't, you know, and she said, thank you so much for telling me that. And I think that's the message that I think that you're giving is that, and I think everyone needs to hear that is honor the energetic cycles that we do have within us that are like seasonal. But say you have somebody like that, that's like, I am just feeling flat in life and I don't know where to begin. And it's not just like the winter, it's all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, that's exactly, you hit the nail on the head. I, I kind of would have said the same thing. The first step I think for any journey is that idea of allowance, right? And it kind of shows up in the yoga practice too, is like non-attachment. It's the same idea. The idea that it's okay to be feeling that way sometimes. It's just like you said, it's the desire, the judgment within us that thinks we should be feeling something else that makes us suffer, right? So it's the it is the ability to allow it to happen that then gives us the ability and the power to step out of it more. So it's kind of like a weird, a weird passive way to, to get over things. You allow it to happen. And then you have the space to choose something better. Right. Cause you're not, well, you're not spending so much energy on resisting that space. You're yeah. just kind of letting it pass through you and then it won't actually stay there for as long either. Yeah. And even just that energy of resistance of judgment is so heavy and so cumbersome on its own, that's going to be the thing that more than likely keeps you where you are and keeps you feeling stagnant and stuck. It's allowing yourself that space to feel kind of crummy some days, or like you said, just sit down and, and watch a show and, or read a book. If you're really not feeling that energetic, you allow yourself that time to feel that way, which then gives you permission to step out of it that much sooner. I love that. So you also have a blog and I was, I, saw a couple of your blog pieces and one of them was um, about overcoming fear of failure. Mm -hmm. Can you speak a little bit about that? And have you had experience? I mean, everybody has failure, right? That's actually how we grow is that we try something, it doesn't work. Failure is kind of a, the label we give it, mm -hmm. but it's really growth. But I'm curious, what are the steps that you would guide people with for overcoming that fear of failure? Yeah. So that was a really awesome session. That was like a kind of a live session that we did that then I put on my blog and I did that because I, like you said, I know so many people feel this way and deal with it all the time. And that's the thing. Everyone is dealing with this, a fear of failure, a fear of not being good enough. It's just that we perceive that it's just us. Sometimes we see the people that we idolize and we think, oh, it's because they're fearless, right? They're able to do the things that they are because they have some sort of magic sauce that I just don't have. And that was kind of one of the big obstacles that we mentioned in that teaching at the very beginning that you have to kind of get over is this idea that everyone else has it figured out except for you. It's the idea that you have this sense of fear just like everyone else does. It's just that other people don't care. Other people mm. are able to see that, like you said, as a form of growth, they fail. And I don't even, I don't even really like the word fail in that training. We talked about, you know, kind of switching gears and thinking about it as falling, 
because when you fall down, you can still get back up, right? If we think that if we fail, then it's just dead and it's over. But if something doesn't work out, you have the chance to get back up and try something different, right? It's just the ability and the permission. You have to give yourself that permission to try again, right? And it's obviously way easier said than done. It takes a lot of practice and a lot of work and reprogramming your mind to see failure or falling as an opportunity to change rather than as something to paralyze you and leave you completely defeated. Right. So, and we got a little bit deeper into it where we talked about noticing if your fear is rooted in the past or the future, right? If you're thinking from a space of the past, that's your narrative that says, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough to do this because X, Y, and Z, because you've already taught yourself that in a past narrative, or if it's rooted in the future, right? Thinking, oh, but they're going to laugh at me. They're going to think I'm stupid. No one's going to come. So kind of then being able to notice where your fear is coming from and redirect yourself to the present, right? It's all coming back to a mindfulness exercise of this is from the past. This is in the future. What I really want to be is in the present. What would my highest self, what would that version of me do in this moment? Hmm. Well, you seem awfully wise and you're quite young. I'm curious, how uh, did you come out of the womb this way? What was like, you know, you're, you reminded me of my daughter. She's very wise. And I think she can she was an old in so many ways. And in that old soulness, there's a lot that goes with that, that you have to kind of mitigate, which is a lot of big feelings, a lot of, you know, yeah, like lots of big feelings and a wisdom that is not just like, oh, what am I doing today? But just this kind of awareness that you are a piece of a much bigger puzzle. But I'm curious if you've always been this way or what was like the trajectory? Yeah, kind of. I, my grandma always told me that too, that I was an old soul. And I remember at first I didn't like that because I perceived, you know, old is bad. She would always tell the story when we play the card game, the old maid. I don't know if you're familiar, but I would draw the old yep, maid. Yep. As a child, I would draw the old maid and then just start sobbing because I was so sad that I got the old maid. But I, w- I had always been told, yeah, that I was an old soul and, and I kind of resisted it for a long time because I didn't understand what it meant. But yeah, I've always been really interested in spirituality and personal development. I think the pivotal thing for me is that I was raised by women, m- mostly. All of the pivotal figures and inspirational figures to me in my life were women and they were very empowered in their own right. They were 100% who they were and they were weird and they were okay with it. And they kind of instilled that in in me too and always gave me permission to go after and study the things that I was interested in. You know, and then obviously there's formative experiences in everyone's life where you have the ability to elevate or stay the same. And I'm lucky that I've kind of been gifted that spirit and that vision to be able to elevate when those situations have come for me. So I, and I definitely still struggle with a lot of that still today, but I am really grateful to have been on the path that I've been on and more than anything to have the community and the support system and the women that I've been able to have in my life. Amen. I love that. And, you know, I also feel lucky. And I think that has, that really does give us many steps not necessarily ahead, but just solid ground from which we can grow. What? How would you advise someone to trust themselves if they didn't have those models growing up, as so many people don't unfortunately have, and learning to trust who they are and what they need and just to trust themselves is more challenging. Do you have steps for that? I'm sure you do. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's a lifelong process in itself too, right? Is learning to 
listen to your inner voice a little bit more. I think the first step, especially in modern world, is to start to limit or at least filter the outside noise that you're bringing in because nowadays everyone from every platform is telling us how we should do our morning routines, how, what we should be using in the shower, what we should put in our coffee, you know, just everyone's telling you how to live and what to do. And it's so easy to take all that in and assume that everyone else knows better than you. And just in that you're discrediting your own inner voice and you're teaching yourself to seek validation, to seek information outside of yourself. And that does not to say that it's all bad, right? I, it's a great place to find inspiration and to connect with other like-minded people, but it's that, it's that vigil, that vigilant eye of knowing the information and the people that are actually inspiring you and inspiring you to elevate yourself rather than kind of taking that power away from you. So that would be the first thing that I would say is really be mindful of the information that you're drawing in and how it's actually making you feel. And from there, then you can start to kind of ask yourself questions on a day-to-day basis about the things you are trying to figure out or the things that you don't trust yourself on. You can kind of ask yourself, say, if you're trying to decide something, is this going to be of service to my body and my work and my vision in five years or something like that? You know, so really just starting to question and listen for those responses internally. Um, And I really like journaling for this too, because I tend to get kind of scatterbrained sometimes. So journaling on things like this really helps you keep a one track mind and you're able to sift through what's actually there a little bit more. So journaling for sure. And I mean, and then meditation is always a really awesome practice for strengthening the mind, strengthening the spirit. So yeah, I guess that seems like a, no, that those are great pieces of advice because that really is about like trying to tune out some of the outside noise. And like you said, some of it can be inspiring, but some of it can be quite frankly, confusing and, and really exhausting because, you know, to your point, there is inspiration, but then there's imitation. Like, are you imitating? Or are you really embodying someone's ideas or somebody's like, oh, that really inspired me. I think that would help if I like scrub, you know, here every day or something. Because we all learn from each other tips, but it is need, it needs, like you said, it, do it in small doses and always go back to how does it feel for me? How does it feel for me? How is this working? Being able to quiet out the, the, external noises so that you can hear that inner voice. Because I think some people, if they don't feel like they trust themselves, they're probably not listening, you know, and that might take some practice to be still, to tune out, to like purposely not, you know, go on social media every day or, you know, see what your friends are buying, but just really to listen inwardly. And I think that's, we all have that ability, but like you said, there's a lot of there's a lot of noise in the air. I would love to talk about your avoiding burnout and finding alignment because I know you, you do some classes on this and some, it sounds like some kind of experiences around helping people with this. Yeah. Cause this has been kind of my personal journey, most specifically with my growing my own craft and my own business, my own vision online is I've gone through massive cycles of burnout. And it just, I know how much it does not feel good and how exhausting it can be. So that's one of the main things that I love to help people avoid because I, like I said earlier, I do really believe that life is meant to be easy and life is meant to be fun and exciting more than anything. And if you are not able to make joy a priority in your life, then 
I, I want you to be able to get to that point, right? So that's kind of where I love to, to take people. Burnout is one that a lot of people are experiencing nowadays, you know, adult, I, I feel bad. I feel like I keep pointing the finger at technology and social media, but it is just so. Well, no, it's a double-edged sword because we all benefit from it. So we should say that. And it has, it's connected people. It's connected the two of us. Like, mm-hmm. but there, it is like there, you, there is too much of it. Right. And when the, and the confusion of connection and addiction, you know, there, the, we have to really be discerning in our, in, in how much time we spend on it. Yeah. And we don't realize that's constantly drawing energy from us. I think we see it as a way to relax and unwind sometimes, right? You can just lay down and scroll for an hour and that feels relaxing to you in a sense, but your brain is still having to digest and understand all of that information that you're bringing it. So it's still not even very restful for us. But going back to the idea of how to get over burnout is I think that social media and technology has given us this false idea that we have to constantly be on hundred percent, just like you were saying earlier. And it makes us believe that everyone else is operating at that best version of themselves all the time, because that's all people share most of the time. So we're not allowing ourselves the space to breathe and rest and feel at ease. And I think that's the main thing that people are missing and why I kind of stand on this soapbox of these sacred cycles and the energy cycles. Cause it's more than just, you know, watching the phases of the moon and celebrating full moons and, you know, feeling witchy in that way. That's kind of what brought me into it. But the more that I've started to understand these cycles of energy, the more that I've noticed how desperately we need them in our day-to-day life. Even if you don't care about full moon circles or if it's Aquarius or Gemini, whatever, that's fine. But just knowing that there is that cycle of energy that is always around you and inviting that into your own life can be so powerful because then you allow yourself the permission to rest and you allow yourself the permission to reflect and just do nothing for a little bit. That is so, such a powerful practice is how to do nothing. That's one of my favorite books that I've read in the last couple of years by Jenny O'Dell. I believe it's literally just called how to do nothing. And Mm. that's a really great resource too. I think for anyone struggling with burnout. I think that's really, and I I love what you said about the cycles. It's like, you don't have to be totally invested in all the, you know, the rationale behind it or the practices behind it, but even keeping track of the cycles and and connecting to this, that which does not change, but is ever changing, which is nature. You know, it's that there is a a tempo to it that gives us an ease to exist if we actually get in line with it. So can you talk about your upcoming um, new year? I can't believe we're into 2022. That's crazy. Um, can you tell us about your new year, two-day intention setting and manifestation immersion? This sounds amazing. Yes, I'm so excited. This is the second year that we'll be doing it. And it's kind of like an at-home retreat, essentially, where we build a community around this weekend where we get together and really <laughs> intentionally set our intentions together, which seems you know redundant in a way. But I think that even with intention setting and goal setting, there has be- there's become this very masculine approach to it and really rigid uh, way of like just 
making an, a huge to-do list for yourself, essentially, of things you want to accomplish or things you want to do. And that in itself can be very hindering. It can cause a lot of judgment and resentment when you don't do everything to the 100% of your ability that you thought you were able to. So that's really what I want to teach people how to avoid. So it's a two-day weekend where we go through a full holistic approach of setting intentions and goals for the new year and planning actionable steps throughout the year to help you get there. So I teach this framework of the seasonal energies. We kind of map out, you know, spring, summer, fall, and winter, knowing the energies that are at hand and kind of create a structured path for you to set your intentions and your goals for the year. And there is a yogic aspect to it too, where we do morning meditations together. And there's a yoga class that you get every day. And then a really beautiful community, which I think is the most important part of everyone who's going through this immersion together has the ability to um, ask questions of one another and support one another and really kind of lift each other up in that way and, and hold each other accountable. And I just, I love infusing community into everything I do because that's been one of the most transformative resources for myself. So yeah, I'm super pumped on it. I know it's still virtual. We're not to the point of doing it in real life yet, but I think it's, I think it's going to be really great. But there's a lot of things virtually that you can do that are just incredible. And in fact, you can get more people because people who might not otherwise be able to come are able to be there. And like you said, I love that idea of accountability and holding each other up and communities, everything. It really is. And I think we recognize that more and more, not only with the pandemic, but also with the increased technology. Here's where technology can work for us, where we can actually come together and lift each other up and learn and share and grow. Mm -hmm. So I love that. So how can people find out how to sign up for that? Yeah. So you can just go to my website, thelocalmystic.com and It'll be right there on the front page, or you can connect with me over on Instagram at the local mystic too, and just send me a message and I'll be more than happy to send you the link for it. I love that. The local myth. I love it. The witchy local mystic. Well, Sierra, you are truly a gem and I'm so glad we've had this time to talk. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom and your your energy in the world and everyone to go check out Sierra and let us know if you have any questions. You can find her on Instagram at the local mystic and on her website at the local mystic as well. She's got lots of offerings as well as wonderful blogs. So I really appreciated that. Thank you so much. Thank you. I had so much fun. It was a pleasure. Wonderful. And for all of you listening, as always, I'm pulling for you. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.